acoustic, a hum for man and verified music. Not plugged in, mic'd up, nor now, that's what it's totally about, and why it's called Ooh, Totally Acoustic. song called A Good Life with a Bad Apple, um, which Gary Crowley was playing a couple of weeks ago. It's a bit of a You're So Vain song, I think, <laughs> but it's actually not really written about anybody in particular. It's that kind of thing about, well, if I ever play this and there's teenage girls in the audience, they always really like it. So. <laughs> not, not, not so much tonight. <laughs> well, I have, I have been hoping. <laughs> I thought I might bribe, <laughs> bribe a teenage girl, but it's not even any, very many of them around outside. So. It's called A Good Life with a Bad Apple. Isn't it? From a seed there grew a sapling, from a sapling grew a tree. On that tree there grew an apple, and how it tempted me. Not all fruit has to be forbidden, I heard this one grew just for me. That's why I chose to pick that apple from the apple tree.
song. Mm. And this was played um, on the radio by Gideon Coe, which it was actually really nice. It made me realise that he really listens to people's albums because I sent him, I sent him a CD um, and um, I suppose I don't really know what he would have played if he'd played anything, but this was a song that I put on the CD because I needed an extra song. And I just thought, oh, I'll stick that on. Nobody will ever listen to that. <laughs> and so I never bothered to listen to the words. And then he played it, and then I had to learn the words. So, <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's a song about some exercise... Yeah, some, two songs about exercise bicycles and two songs about apples. And one of the songs was about... Well, no, it wasn't... It used to be about exercise bicycles, that's true, but it's not. Okay, I've limited vocabulary. <laughs> so it's not... Somebody got very angry with me in my anti-bicycle song, but I explained it's about the fact that exercise bicycles don't go anywhere and it's actually about madness which is why it's called the Mad Bicycle Song. It's a machine to make you feel afraid No one remembers just how it came to be made Every turn of the wheels Changes the way that it feels It's a machine to make you feel afraid Overpowerment. 
So it's called, it's written about um, Hampstead Bathing Pond, and it's called At the Bathing Pond. And it's a, story, a true story from when me and my friend Katie, it's the only time I've ever been there. And, um, and I mixed it in with something that my daughter told me. So the kingfisher bit isn't really me. I have to tell you that because I'm not into um, fake news. So I'm flagging up the bit that is my own experience, so you trust my honesty. And then you'll sing. So you, your bit goes out. So, and I have to, sh it's got no counting, so I have to yell, sing, or something when it comes up. But it goes, it goes, <clears throat> at the bathing, what's bathing pond? At the bathing pond. At the bathing pond. Bathing pond, so it's got really complicated words. <laughs> so, no sheets, no typography problems, uh, purely memory. So, um, I'm going to count to four just this one time. This time, I'm not going to shout. And if you sing it to me, then I know that you can sing it and you're going to support me. <laughs> so, so, one, two, no, it's three actually. One, two, three. One, two, three. At the bathing pond. At the bathing pond. At the bathing pond. At the bathing pond. Wow, the diction. <laughs> Everybody drunk at scale down doesn't quite match. That's a bit squashy. <laughs> okay, let's sing it now. <clears throat> Natural feelings synchronized by the trees, the freshwater mermaids they drift on the breeze and they swim under cloudy skies. The pond breeze at their feet, fatty drags out. Stands beside him, 
abetting his lie as he lifts the binoculars up to his eyes he's watching at the bathing pond at the bathing pond peeping tom at the bathing pond at the bathing pond now at the bathing pond these little poetry books uh, I'm trying to write a new poetry book at the moment it's all about a supermarket every poem is a different aisle um, of the supermarket uh, that's a really good idea it is a really good <laughs> yeah. that's the problem it's a good idea badly executed <laughs> um, but that's what I'm trying to do at the moment so there's like an alcohol aisle poem uh, um, fruit and veg aisle a bog roll aisle <laughs> you know what a supermarket looks like um, so I'm going to start off with them, I'll do a couple of them but this is kind of the heart of the book or the heart of is like this couple who meet in a um, supermarket this is called the supermarket rom-com it's a trilogy, this is in three parts this is the first part of the supermarket rom-com is called Go Shopping. We have to do this all the time. Go shopping. Brush our teeth. Go to bed. Get up again. Phone people to see how they are. Read a book to show we're still vaguely in touch with culture. Jonathan Coe spends a lot of time writing his novels. It's only polite to see what he's up to. We have to clean our houses. Think about our trousers. What am I going to wear to this thing on Tuesday? How have I run out of tea bags again? I've not started Fargo on Netflix. I don't think I'll get round to it now. I don't make shopping lists. I try and remember it all in my head. How do you go on holiday? I guess you can go into a travel agent and maybe look at some brochures look at me on my own with a basket there's not much wow factor here but look there's someone else on their own with a basket I wonder what their life has been like this is the second part it's called first date in a supermarket cafe he gets there early and has carefully chosen a novel to be reading when she arrives. Milkman by Anna Byrne. Box fresh from foils. It recently won the Booker Prize and the front cover is a nice colour. A tiny snapshot of how he'd like to be perceived. It was her who chose that they would meet in the supermarket cafe but it's where he would have chosen anyway. 
It started when they both reached for Linda McCartney's sausages in the freezer. Then they were next to each other at the checkout. And in the supermarket car park, said, hi, this might be a bit out of the blue, but would you like to... She's only visiting from Canada, travelling across Europe on her own. But for some reason that doesn't seem to matter. Let's see how this afternoon goes first. After the date they say goodbye. He goes home on the bus. And all he wants to do is send her love. This is the third part. It's called Two People Met in a Supermarket and they fell in love. It happened. They met and their lives changed forever. Straight away they knew this was real love. With illustrations by Quentin Blake. All those nights wishing things were different are over now. Life is about the right person saying hello at the right time. Love should be like singing Bat Out of Hell at karaoke. But too often it's like sitting with a dog at the vets. <laughs> or trying to explain who Simon Munnery is to someone who has never heard of Simon Munnery. <laughs> Love should be like being in a supermarket abroad. So many new flavours to explore. But too often it's like being in a Tesco metro, metro and the self-service machine isn't accepting your only pound coin. Sometimes there is a moment in life when you realise this is it. This isn't hand luggage, holiday romance. It's the big suitcase real deal. Let's go and pay. We've got everything on our list. We can go home, watch Fargo, Skype your mum and then get Let's go to the checkout. We've got everything we need, a baguette, chutney, bottle of wine, nice cheese. They love telling people where they met. In a supermarket? Yeah. In a supermarket. <laughs> right, that's the end of that trilogy. This is another supermarket poem. This will be the last of the supermarket poem. <laughs> uh, I've got so many there. <laughs> um, this is called The Household Isle. Sort of your isle. <laughs> It'll all be okay. You need to relax. None of this really matters. Count down from ten. It helps. Breathe normally. You've had a hard day, but you are home now. Look how soft your towels are. Fabric conditioner smells so nice. Have I ever told you how nice your eyelashes are? I like to collect socks from people I love. Can I have one of yours, please? You can take one off now or bring an extra one the next time I see you. <laughs> Emily Blunt is downstairs, but don't worry, she's not in a rush. 
She's sitting on a beanbag, looking at photographs of you as a baby. She says you can take as long as you like. This is the quiet carriage, full of jumpers with no bubbling. It's nice now they've put all of the candles on the table. Take a moment to appreciate how much storage space you have in your utility room. It took a long time for you to find a shower curtain the same colour as your bath. But look at it now. It's hard not to be elated. Here's a DVD I would like you to borrow. The cast had such a fun time making it. You can tell by the bloopers. <laughs> no one will be able to tell where the blood was on your carpet. That cleaner is so efficient. I've added some fabric conditioner to the punch bowl. Everyone smells so lavendery now. Relax. <laughs> Put a soft towel on your eyes. Think about bubbles. Get some nice pens. Have you tried music? <laughs> this next one um, isn't one of mine, but my, I've not done, um, in the last six months I've only done one poetry gig, and that's because my favourite poet, who's also a songwriter, who maybe you know, is um, a guy called David Berman, who's this sort of American guy who was mates with uh, Stephen Matmus from Pavement, who's in a really cool band called the Silver Jews. But I knew him as a poet. And uh, he died last month, sort of early 50s. Um, and I was asked to do this tribute night for him, a load of like, obsessive David Berman fans, which I'm one. And um, this is kind of the poem that made me start to want, want, want to start writing poems. So I thought uh, I'd do it. It's really good. I hope you like it. Um, it's called The Charm of 5.30. All of his poems are so good that he's got a line about... Um, I won't... But he's got a line about the loneliness of, the loneliness of seaside dentists. <laughs> And every time I start to write something, I think, am I allowed to steal that light? No, you're not allowed to steal that light. <laughs> it's literally one of the things you're not allowed to do. The Charm of 5.30 by David Bowie. We're within inches of the perfect distance from the sun. The sky is blueberries and cream. And the wind is as warm as air from a tire. And even the headstones in the graveyard seem to stand up and say, Hello, my name is... It's enough to be sitting on my porch thinking about Kermit Roosevelt, following the course of an ant, or walking out into the yard with a cordless phone to find out she is going to be there tonight. On a day like today, what looks like bad news in the distance turns out to be something on my contact. Carports and white courtesy phones are spontaneously reappreciated and random okays 
ring through the backyard. This morning I discovered the red tints in cola when I held a glass of it up to the flashlight and found an expensive torch in the pocket of a winter coat I was packing away for summer. It all reminds me of that moment when you take off your sunglasses after a long drive and realise it's earlier and lighter than you had accounted for. You know what I'm talking about. And that's the kind of fellowship that's taking place in town, out in the public spaces. You won't hear anyone using the words dramaturgy or state inspection today. We're all too busy getting along. It occurs to me that the laws are in the regions and the regions are in the laws. And it feels good to say this, something that I'm almost sure is true and I've no idea what it means outside the sun. Then to say it again, around friends, in the resonant voice of a 19th century senator, just for fun. There's a shy looking fellow on the courthouse steps, holding up a placard that says, but I kind of liked Reagan. His head turns slowly as a beautiful girl walks past holding a refrigerated bottle against her flushed cheek. She smiles at me, and I allow myself to imagine her walking into town to buy lotion at a brick pharmacy. When she gets home, she'll apply it with great lingering care, before moving into her parlour to play 78 records and drink gin and tonics beside her homemade altar to James Madison. The town of this side, it's certainly possible that I'll be invited over one night. In fact, I'll bet you something. Somewhere in the future, I am remembering today. I bet you I'm remembering how I walked into the park at 5.30, my favourite time of day, and how I found two cold pitchers of freshly poured beer sitting there on the bed. I remember how my friend Chip showed up with a catcher's mask hanging from his belt and how I said, great to see you. Sit down, have a beer. How are you? And how he turned to me with the sunset reflecting off his contacts and said, I'm wonderful. How are you? Thank you very much for watching. And that was totally acoustic. A lovely night. Uh, it was really great to be back at the King and Queen, uh, especially having Helen and John on, who were brilliant. Uh, we're going to be doing this uh, about every two months from now on, starting with the next show on the 21st of November, back at the King and Queen, with Robbery, Ruth from Poe, and John Dredge and the Plinths. So, yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming, those who came. Thanks to the Axe, and uh, we'll see you next time.